Welcome to the Ralph Shaheen Show presented by Lucas Oil. Lucas Oil, track proven, race ready. You can find a Lucas Oil retailer at lucasoil.com. You know, on this show, when we came up with the idea of doing the Ralph Shaheen Show presented by Lucas Oil, obviously we knew we were going to have a bunch of race car drivers and motorcycle racers involved in the show. But we got a lot of other friends that we wanted to bring on that uh, have a huge passion for cars and motorcycles but maybe don't race full time. And today we're going to take uh, our first interview with a guy who falls into that category. This gentleman uh, started up his own band called Bonham. Of course, the hit signal, hit single, Wait For You. He's played in numerous well-known and legendary bands such as UFO, Foreigner, and Black Country Communion. He has his own highly successful touring act known as Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin Evening. Strongly encourage you to catch that act if you see it. Just wrapped up touring with Peter Frampton this summer. A tremendous show. Is a part now of one of the hottest groups in rock and roll these days. Sammy Hagar's The Circle. And, of course, played masterfully as a drummer of the mighty Led Zeppelin at the O2 Arena as part of the All-Star Tribute to Ahmet Erdogan uh, a few years back. Who else are we talking about but Jason Bonham? Jason, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. Uh, I feel uh, I feel very old after that list of artists <laughs> there. I mean, thank God you missed missed uh, 30 of them at least. Uh, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I've been doing this a while, but um, I'm, I'm glad you, uh, you mentioned the passion for, as you said, for... People that love cars, love racing, love bikes. Yeah, for me, it was a it was a choice of either I raced motocross as a child from ten years old. Uh, first bike um, was an Italia 50, and, and then got a, a Honda Elsinore XR75. And then they said, "Well, if you can get fifth on one of those against these guys in the 80s, you need to get yourself a Suzuki 80." And that was the first ever Suzuki 80, I think, that came out in 77 or 78. Um, so, yeah, it started then and still with me now. Yeah. So, like all racers, it all started very early for you. And we're going to get into a little bit of where your racing career went before you became a full-time professional drummer. Obviously, your dad, John Bonham, the original drummer in Led Zeppelin, um was well known for a passion for cars and motorcycles as well, just like you. Is is that where your passion, not just for drumming, but for cars and motorcycles, began just hanging out with Dad, like for most of us? I think so. Um, I think it's 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 in your DNA. Um, you, you know, you like it. You look up, you know, when you look up, to you, you're always looking up to your father figure, uh, your father. And, you know, you want to be just like them. And then they, if they drive cars, you want cars. For me, it's been that way. Uh, the only thing, I, I was just much better on a bike than he was. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and he tried to race me a few times in, uh, on the farm. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, he loved, I mean, he loved his, you know, when he could, his car collection when he first started with, with, with Zeppelin became, you know, we needed a bigger house. Yeah. Uh, uh, we didn't have the garage space. It, it took up. I mean, he must have had twenty-four cars, um, and from everything from the XK120, XK150, to E-types, to the Daimler E-type, to 
Aston Martin Vantages to Jensen Interceptors, FFs 1 and 2. Um, yeah, uh, he was. And then, of course, his muscle cars his, that yep. he bought from America with him, his Corvettes, his hot rods that you all saw in the movie Songwriter. Same. So, yeah. Uh, and, and his custom built uh, bobber, you know, his chopper. So, yeah, uh, I get it from him. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, an, it's, it's an addictive thing. <laughs> you, you mentioned that uh, he tried to race you around the farm. Um, was, was your dad more natural as a drummer than you, and you were more natural oh, yeah. as a racer <laughs> than him? Is that fair to say? Uh, uh, he was way more natural, way in a. I, I, I always say, just to have my name mentioned as a drummer in his in the same sentence as him, I feel very honoured. He was the, the creator and the, you know the groundbreaker for the way he played. Um, he, you know, he really was, and that's why he's you know held so highly by so many. Uh, but as far as uh, as the biking, uh, he, he did. Uh, he liked to drive cars fast. I don't. I'd love to have a go and race against him now. Um, I'm, you know, I'm getting pretty good. I've got my time down to, uh, to 2.16 at Sebring uh, uh, on Thursday, uh, Friday. So I was very happy with that. Um, so, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm getting the hang of this, this thing now. And that's in a streetcar, by the way. So it was, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure whenever I buy a car now, I think of, like, this is what dad would have had. Uh, I'm sure this is what, what he would have had. And that's one of the reasons when I bought the F12 Ferrari, it was the last car my father bought was the Daytona. Uh-huh. So uh, that to so the F12 would be the today's version of what the Daytona was, the front engine, sure. long nose, you know. So for me, there's a lot of sentiment in all of that. And it wasn't until he passed when I was very young that I decided to focus on drumming. But I never gave up the bike. Always raced. Even, I mean, I don't know if you knew this, right up until I moved to America 15 years ago, uh, I was racing every weekend when the season was on in the uh, AMCA in England, the amateur races, local races. And, yeah, and enjoying it. I still, you know, it was just the family environment. It's the people. And it's the same at the track when I go with the cars. The people are wonderful. Yeah. You actually uh, pursued motocross pretty far. In fact, you've told me a story about racing for the John Bonham Kawasaki team. Tell us a little bit about how far that all went and how that all came together. Well, that was something that came about. And that's that when you, when you, you don't need any help. My dad was kind of very uh, off. Uh, and, and a guy who was the head of Kawasaki, Alec Wright, uh, God bless him. Uh, he he was watching me and he saw me winning races and, and a lot of races and I was due to go up a class and so he came to my father and said we'd, we'd like to help your boy out and he went we don't need any help <laughs> so it was uh, he went no no I want him to ride Kawasaki's and, and I was at the time I, I hadn't seen the new bike so I was like I don't want to ride those so they like teased me and took me in the back of this took me to London and St. Albans and where the Kawasaki headquarters were and they showed me what they had in mind and 
they were going to let us ride full-on SR125s, which was the, from Japan, um, you know, uh, works bikes, when they had works bikes. So I'm like, yeah, I'm in. But I was really short. So they had to redesign the frame um, uh, to, to do it because I, was, <laughs> I, I couldn't touch the floor. So how'd it be? And his, his idea was to put me upper class. So to miss out the one I was going to go into with everybody else, which naturally the age group goes up in England. They said, no, let's, we've got an idea. He'll struggle for the first year and a half. But by the time the other guys come to him in the 125 class, he will be the king. Of, he he'd had a year and a half already. Yeah. So, um, and of course, yes, it's, it's a tough one when you go into a class and everyone's bigger with you for the first time. But when you start, you know, and these are people like Mervyn Anstey and uh, the, now his son is, <laughs> we all know his son. Uh, yeah. And I was racing against and Kurt Nickel. Yeah. Um, people like that did the GP circuits uh, later on in life. So, um, yeah, it was a, yeah, I was racing against those guys on a regular basis and even beat them on, on occasion when I was, you know, on, on a good day and on a good track. So, yeah, that was my passion. It really was. Uh, so, I, you know, by the time everything came about and sadly that passed, my year, uh, 81 um was was the best you know 81 uh, was my best year ever um i lost i lost the title by one point but i gained so much respect from everybody by literally just riding a stock um ended up buying the stock 125 suzuki after my yamaha blew up and uh, took it to the race you know took it out the box didn't even run it in and just raced and and you know uh, and we did what we did, but yeah, for me these are great days. We, uh, I look back on, and that was my. I could have done that, and that was I was offered by Kawasaki to go back to them and be in their team with, at the time, Paul Malian and, and Jamie Dobb yeah. were like little kids that came up to me and thought I was cool because I had all the JT racing gear from America, <laughs> and I was wearing Scott boots, and nobody had Scott boots in England. Um, I mean, even now, I, I, I was speaking to Brad Lackey. Uh, he came to see me just recently in Concord, and uh, he bought the poster. And he said, there you are, the poster of Team Kawasaki, and it's Brad Lackey on the on, the, on Dave Thorpe, a young uh, English writer called Gary Evans, Jason Bonham, Brian Wheeler. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to look back on that. Yeah, I mean, look, Brad Lackey, Dave Thorpe, those are – serious names that's not joking around that's legit world champion names there yeah i mean uh so yeah we we used to have them we used to train uh, with uh, david oh i mean i've i've grew up when i was riding 80s he was riding 125s so um it was but he was he was then we knew then he was you know he was like lapping up to third place yeah uh he was an amazing rider and uh uh, I spoke to briefly about to David Bailey about him, and uh, he respected him immensely. Thought he was a great athlete. Sure was. Um, you still come to Supercross races pretty regularly when your schedule allows. You'll sit with us in the booth, and I'll see you while we're calling the races. You are just as 
passionate about the sport now as you probably were back then. Do you ever um, think about what might have been had you continued down that path? I mean, <clears throat> to be honest, um, when I when I look back now, the the mental game. I think when you go to a, to the next level, you know, uh, like they all know, is you really have to. It's you got to give up everything and be focused on one thing uh and that's the will and you know i've i've watched the rise and i'm not saying i'm old now but i've watched it from the days of you know uh <laughs> gary semix and tony de <laughs> stefano and, and and jim whitehart and uh to and lackey and jim pomeroy i mean i'm, I'm a motocross geek uh to get out to Walsink and the Heike Mikkelers of the world and when Danny Laporte came over. And so I've watched all this progression and then you go to Supercross and it's the tracks the way they are now today. I wouldn't want to try and be a guy now. Those tracks are so you have to be so perfectly in time and in rhythm. Otherwise, it is serious injury. Um, but it's beautiful to watch. I got to say, when you watch those guys ride well, it's an art form. When you slow yeah. it down, yeah. how they move on a bike, it's beautiful. I still think Ken Roxon's got one of the most amazing styles uh, of riding. Um, he he rides like he it doesn't even look like he's trying. He doesn't look, you know, we you know Ricky used to look like he was trying, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know he would push it. You know, I was there when he took down McGrath. You know. Yeah. And I, and I said to him, wow, what was it like to take down the king? And he goes, eh, nothing really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, you know, oh, I'm like, you just took down the seven time, you know. He goes, well, you knew it was coming. So that was it. You know, it is. And same with pro. I, I you know, I say, what was it like to, to win a GP and, and just, you know, when all the against Everts and all of those guys and, you know, Bavort, I mean, as I said, I know all these names and people are going, who are these guys? Yeah. Um, you know, he won it by miles, that GP, when he back riding Yamaha in the US. So um, for me, I don't know. It, um, I see some of my friends that I raced against and they would get top 10, 500cc GP finishes. Um, who, who knows? If, if it would have been a different life, um, all I know is I... I I would have loved to have grown up here more and raced here more um, and got to know people a lot sooner uh, because uh, once I did, I realized when you meet your friends and I, and you, you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm starstruck with the, with the Supercross world, even with the new guys to the old guys, I still get like when I'm with Jeff or when I'm with McGrath and, and those guys and, and Ricky, I'm like, Oh my God, you have no idea, you know, and, and, and Rick, when I see Rick Johnson and to sit with David Bailey, that to me is like to somebody meeting their, the best band they've ever, their band or yeah. the greatest boxer in the world. I just get like, this is unreal. And to talk shop with those people is the greatest feeling in the world. Yeah. You get like we do when we get to go backstage and visit with you. Uh, we all become fanboy, don't we? <laughs> It's. I say I'm still very blessed, and and, uh, and blessed to know you. I mean, you. 
people don't know this, that not anybody can go and call a race. There's a way it's done. You have to have a, a certain unique voice like you do uh, and, and, and a tone that cannot give it away but also make it exciting. And I, I compliment you, Ralph. You are you are somebody that if I'm not, not even seeing the TV and I can hear, I, I know it's you. Um, I can tell what how the race is doing or what's going on. So, um, yeah, kudos to you. You do. It's not just going on and announcing and talking. Well, I listen, I greatly appreciate that coming from you, uh, not because of who you are uh, in the music world and as a racer, but just as a friend. And uh, oh, that, thank you. that's where the great compliments come when they come from your friends and you know that they truly mean it. We're going to be right back with more with uh, Jason Bonham here on the Ralph Shaheen Show presented by Lucas Oil. You know, Lucas Oil does a lot on the racetrack when it comes to winning, but they can do a lot for your street car as well. Like this complete engine treatment. It's good for gasoline power cars and diesel power cars. Check it out where you find Lucas Oil products today. We'll be right back with more with Jason Bonham. There is less than one hundredth of an inch of motor oil protecting your car's engine. Friction and heat causes engine oil to experience thermal breakdown, weakening its ability to protect the engine and its parts. Lucas Heavy Duty Oil Stabilizer is specially formulated to resist thermal breakdown, protect vital engine parts, and extend the life of your engine. It also stops smoking, knocking, and oil consumption in worn engines. Lucas Heavy Duty Oil Stabilizer. Keep that engine alive. We will be celebrating SpeedSport's 85th anniversary this year. Incredible how time flies by. To help commemorate the occasion, we've unveiled the Vault Collection of merchandise. A really cool variety of t-shirts, hats, posters, and a lot more. It's all available right now in the store at SpeedSport.com. Shop for yourself or get a gift or two for your racing buddies. The Vault Collection of merchandise. Available now in the store at SpeedSport.com. Welcome back to the Ralph Shaheen Show, presented by Lucas Oil. Lucas Oil is track-proven, race-ready. You can find a Lucas Oil retailer at lucasoil.com. This is the 85th anniversary edition of Speed Sport. We've been covering everything that is racing for the last 85 years, starting in 1934. You can learn more about Speed Sport by going to speedsport.com. Now, Jason, I know you've appeared in all the famous rock and roll magazines. Uh, maybe not in Speed Sport yet, but... What was the first car you you ever owned? Oh, that's an embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be a good one. Yeah. Couldn't you, can't we go backwards? If we go backwards, it's way more impressive. No, I know. Well, uh, we're going to get to the pointy end of the stick <laughs> eventually. Okay. Um, I'm not too sure if you had this model, but back in England, uh, this would be 1983. At the time, this was the hip hatchback to have. Uh. Okay. And it was the XR3i Escort. Ford uh -huh. Escort. So kind of a rally car. Yeah. So it was like the hip, um, and it had like this body kit on it. And yeah, it was, um, yeah, a little 1.6, you know, fuel injection. Yeah. But for, for me at the time, I thought I was the bee's knees and that. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> It Did was, you have the full stereo like, going in the car too? Oh, of course! <laughs> you, know, you, you know that was the that was the go-to. You got to have your 
back there it was a cassette yes you know yeah got my play you know making your playlist be a cassette for if you're taking your girlfriend out right so you, you got all the right songs on there oh yeah <laughs> now do you yeah, get- they thought, they thought car could talk yeah <laughs> do you consider yourself a car collector or an enthusiast um i'd love to be a collector um but financially i think my wife would go nuts <laughs> yeah. um i because I, I would just keep buying them and putting them in there i would even if i but i i like to drive them too much so it's it's like um i'm a car enthusiast and, and well and bikes and um and anything you know really that 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 gives you that adrenaline uh rush i mean as i said when you when you start going around sebring um and you know you you get on the main straightaways but the corner speed and just the uh, just the general speed that you stay at a higher speed on that circuit than a lot of the smaller circuits in florida um it's it you you know the pulse rate is going um and you know how bumpy it is especially yeah. you know coming from the main straightaway which is like the old runway into i think turn uh is it the last turn yep um i mean i had a blowout uh oh. turn 14 i went slightly wide and there's a pothole and then so into 15 it's suddenly you, you have a flat tire so you're all like breaking at 130. You, you're you know you're at a moment when you're floor, you know you're to the floor so uh but i still it's like no matter how many times i go back and how much it seems to cost in tires and in and in brake rotors and <laughs> yeah and in and cal you know in in the, the pads i just yeah i signed I, as, as i left i signed up for the next one uh, which i can do in december uh, i just absolutely uh, uh, love it so enthusiast uh, if anything uh, closet racer closet racer uh, okay even, even though it's a track day uh, we always say nobody's racing yeah we are just enjoying ourselves listen we race <laughs> we go around there when you have a guy come up on you and he's got his ZR one and, uh, and I'm in my McLaren, I'm like, all right, buddy, let's see, let's see what we got. And we, uh, yeah, we weren't waiting for anybody to point by passing, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we were passing in the corner, so we got told off at the end, but it was well worth for that twenty minutes. <laughs> so track days are obviously a big part of your passion today. Uh, have you yeah. found the ultimate track day car? Um. <clears throat> Uh, I'd like to say yes, but I'd say no, um, because then I'd stop looking. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, it's just naturally progressed from uh, what I have. It started me off was the uh, AMG GTR, mm-hmm. which is their like track version of the Mercedes uh, GT. So that started me off. And then there was a bunch of other guys there. with There was 30 Porsches of me. So, but it was yeah and i thought well i don't want to be the conventional guy so john hennessy called me and it was a friend of mine said you need to get one of these and luck would have it he knew where one was so i got a mclaren 600 lt uh the long tail which was made basically more for track and then of course you know we we did a few things to it and you know i run 
all nine teams around here and so we can use the qualifying tires uh the softer compounds so it went from just doing it with you know with driving there with street tires to now i have the trailer hydraulic trailer lift and everything with you know spare wheels you oh, know? yeah if you're gonna go in you go big go, go big go yeah yeah right so do you see this track day experience stuff evolving into maybe a different level of racing, uh, maybe like Brian Johnson does, where you, where you get involved in uh, vintage racing, or are you not interested in the older cars that way and you like the newer technology and performance? Um, to be honest with you, I, I think I'm, they keep trying to tell me to get in. They, with the times I'm doing, uh, there's a couple of guys there who've got teams, and they said, well, why don't you get in? I want to see what you're doing in our, you know, like the cup car or or a challenge Ferrari. Yeah. See how you feel. And I went, has he got AC? Ah. And I went, no. I went, has he got stereo? Has he got audio? No. I see. I like to have my music on when I'm going around there. So, <laughs> so they're like, you're not getting it. I said, well, yeah, I will eventually. I said, but we're in Florida. Remember? Yeah. I said, maybe if it gets a bit cooler, I said, cause once you start getting in there, if that's, that takes it up to a whole other level. And, and, and I have been offered a, a GT3 race car, McLaren uh, 2020 edition. Yeah. Um, so I, I am considering, I think I'd like to, to have a go. I, I see Chad Reed's doing a Lamborghini. Yeah. I'd like to race against Chad Reed. I think that's what I'd like to do. Yeah, on four wheels, not two, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'd love to have a go with him in, in yeah, uh, any time. I'd, I'd love to have a group of those guys in that one. So uh, you, you mentioned you like to have your music playing. Is there a particular song that uh, really gets you going when you're in the car? Oh, there's a, well, there's a, there's a, depending on the law, i tell you what, you mentioned ACDC. ACDC is always, uh, um, you know, for those about to rock, yeah. you know, as you're waiting, as you line up and they say, calling advanced drivers, advanced drivers, this is your five-minute warning. Yeah. So you get your helmet on, you get in the car, you pull down the pit lane, and all of a sudden you put on the, uh, the for those about to rock. Um, yeah. And then uh, and then I think a whole lot of Rosie is oh, the yeah. one while you're going around. Yeah. And that one, yeah. That one is, uh, that can, uh, yeah, that can send you. And definitely Freebird, if oh. you're having a lull, and then when it gets to the end of Freebird, you can definitely take some time off your laptops. There you go. Are you a steering wheel drummer like the rest of us, or do you just leave that for the day job? Oh, yeah. No, when I'm, when I'm driving, I am 100% focused on my uh, – um, there's no tapping involved uh, when I'm driving at that, <laughs> at that pace. Uh, I'm more focused on uh, – yeah, turn, I turn the rear view mirror so I, I don't want to see it behind me. I only want to see what's in front of me. Um, and I just stick to the race line as you're supposed to do. Not like in motocross where you move out the way for the yeah. faster drivers. Yeah. For this, until you you stay in race lane, they have to go by you. But, of course, I can make it very difficult for them <laughs> um, with, the, with the straight line speed my car has. Uh, so, yeah, it, as I said, I, I, I'd love to have a go um, at racing cars. And it's only because I've got older and bigger. You know, I'd still... I'd still be riding my dirt bikes a lot more if it didn't hurt as much. Right. Um, you know, I've still got my, you know, I've got a 2019 with factory suspension and a Kawasaki 450 
um, you know, when you get older and do what I do, you get friends in high places. Uh, so, yeah, my Honda had every factory part in it. My 2017 had every factory part that Ken had on it, other than probably just some engine modifications. And it didn't so have very, Ken. I'm, yeah, I'm very fortunate. Yeah, and it didn't have Ken, right? Didn't have Ken on it. Yeah. But I, mean, he didn't write, I don't think he wrote it much that year. <laughs> um, drumming is obviously very rhythmical, but to run good, consistent lap times, you have to be very rhythmical as well. Do you see a, a crossover between your drumming and, and what you do when you're out on your track days? Do you find a rhythm as well there? Um, I learned when I was very young, the guys from Kawasaki used to make us run drills. Um, and I think it carried on through life where he said, if you think of the whole track and it overwhelms you, think of sectors, basically, just like they do in F1. Sure. You know, sector one, sector two, sector three. So I start, and I'm pretty much like that in a song when I play drums. You know, you've got your verse, your bridge, and your chorus. There's three sectors. So, um so, yeah, I, I use that in, in everything I do. I try and pinpoint a certain point and get to, instead of thinking how fast can I get around the lap, I just go, right, I'm going to get to turn five, see how fast I can get to turn five, and then from five to ten, and ten, and ten to fifteen. Um, and it seems to help. It doesn't then make me just, over, I can just focus on five turns. Uh, and same as in music and same as it was in bikes. When I used to go out and do, you know, practice, I would split the track up. And so it was, uh, it just seemed to be easier to focus on each section. Do you think uh, the ultimate car song has been written yet? Or what makes a good car song? I think it's always a feeling that whatever you're feeling in your car at the time. And I, and I think if like everybody. I don't know if you're like me. Do you listen to music more in the car than you do at home? Yeah. I think we all do, right? Yeah. I think if anything, I probably listen, and I'm probably allowed to listen to it much louder when I'm in the car on my own than I am at home. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Unless yeah. I'm on my own at home. Right. Um, you know, so uh, if anything, music has been a vital part of everyone, no matter who we are in the world. I think we use music as our, you know, going to work, coming back from work, we have a song that we go to. If we're sad, we have a song if we go to. If we're happy, we have songs that cheer us up. We have songs that remind us of people. We have songs that were our wedding songs. We have, you know, um, I think I'm, I'm very blessed to be part of that whole thing. But uh, the, the ultimate song, we all have such different tastes. I think the ultimate song is whatever makes you have a smile from ear to ear. And by the time you get home, forget whatever you were in a bad mood about. Then that's the song for you. How about a song written about cars or bikes? Do you think uh, there's one that stands out there? Uh, the greatest, uh, I mean, driving song. I mean, I mean, you've got to. I mean, just because Zeppelin mentioned to dig that heavy metal underneath the hood in Trample Underfoot yeah. was, was, you know, that was the, probably their only car, uh, car reference. Uh, Florida had Rev on the Red Line about, 
which is a great song about the street racing. Yep. Um, and, you know, even Foreigner did a nice, that song, Can't Slow Down, was, was very, very cool. Uh, when, when we were just, just at the time when I was in the band. Uh, I don't know. What do you, what, what's your favorite car song? If you, if you had a car song to go to. You know, I think, um, I, I go back to, uh, I think little deuce coop. Oh yeah. See, there you go back to, yeah. You know, I mean, it, see, that's a, there's a, there's some of your listeners. They're going, I have no clue what that means. <laughs> yeah. 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 But you know, I mean, I think it, uh, it's so simple, but man, it puts you right there, doesn't it? You know, the guy's at the strip and he's got the guy in the other lane and, and all that, yeah. you know, it just, uh, it, it definitely you, that era. Back to riding along on my automobile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, don't yeah. I mean, anything back to the bone and all that, right. you know, you know, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, little new scoop. You don't know what you I got. Any of those. Right. Yeah. Just love that. Yeah. You know, I'm pulling up to the, it's just like you were saying about running the, the ZR1 at Sebring, you know, the guy's coming up alongside, you don't he doesn't know what you got. You know, and yeah. little, little Deuce Coop takes, takes you right there. Um, your band, now that you're in the circle, uh, there's some other big car geeks in that group, some real gearheads. Obviously, Sammy Hagar's fully involved in in this in the collector yeah. world. Uh, Michael Anthony's all about hot rods and all that. Uh, if you guys yeah. all went straight up, who'd be the fastest in the band? You? Yep, without a shadow of a doubt. Okay. <laughs> they're, <laughs> Throwing they're, it down. Yep, they're way too... I already got the text from Sammy. He goes, don't you, get, don't you dare get hurt. You know how much pain I'm going to put you in if you get hurt. <laughs> uh, you said, you will be more pain I can give on you than you can get hurt in that car if you don't get hurt. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I understand, Sam. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he don't drive fast no more. He can't drive 55. He can't even drive 56. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but hey, they talk the big talk. They they probably go from light to light. But uh, he did drive me in his LaFerrari once, and that ah, terrified me. Really? Because he still he still didn't know how to get it out of the eco shutdown mode. So he wrote, he drove it with a heel toe. Oh, so he had his foot on the brake and foot on the gas, which is how he says it in fifty five. Right. So and um, and his eyesight's not that great. So as we as we hit the uh, the freeway at 180 uh, on the on-ramp i was like oh my <laughs> this is uh this yeah and he's talking to me and laughing at the same time i'm going please look forward yeah, yeah. Is, uh, you know i'm not a great passenger I, I like to drive but when somebody's talking to you and we're doing that speed i was uh yeah but on a track you know i i, I challenge him any day all right, we're going to come right back with Jason Bonham, and we're going to get into the cars of Led Zeppelin right after this. Stay with us on the Ralph Sheen Show, presented by Lucas Oil. One of the main reasons for poor vehicle performance is a dirty fuel system. It can cause decreased fuel economy and actually do harm to your engine over time. By adding Lucas Fuel Treatment to your vehicle, it cleans and lubricates the entire fuel system. Pump, carburetors, fuel injectors, and valves as you drive. It also improves your vehicle's performance. It's a non-solvent product designed to protect both gasoline and diesel engines. Lucas Fuel Treatment. It works. 
Working for Hendrick Automotive Group is different from any company I've ever worked for. We're more like a family. Working at Hendrick Automotive Group, I matter. It's not just a paycheck, it's not just a job, it is a career. Being a service technician is a great career choice because you get a sense of gratitude when you get to fix something. It puts a big smile on my face just knowing I've accomplished something every day working there. With a variety of dealerships nationwide, you can become part of a great team. Apply today at workathendrick.com. Welcome back to the Ralph Shaheen Show presented by Lucas Oil. Lucas Oil is track proven, race ready. You can find a Lucas Oil retailer at lucasoil.com. Our guest today is Jason Bonham, of course, the son of the legendary drummer for Led Zeppelin, John Bonham. And Jason, I wanted to get in this last segment and find a little insight about some of the cars of Led Zeppelin. Of course, talking about the movie, the song remains the same. Uh, each of the band members has a dream sequence. Your dad's dream sequence involved cars and bikes. So I wanted to ask you about a couple of those. The first one being the motorcycle, uh, the chopper known as Sunset Tripper. What can you tell me about that bike? Well, what I can tell you about that bike at the time, that had a, only had a small uh, 250cc engine in it when it was built. So... Uh, what they did um, afterwards, and this was with the help of, we had very good friends at uh, Triumph in England. Uh, I used to race against, uh, there was a test rider um, called John Knight, and his his son Stephen Knight used to uh, race with me. Uh, he hooked us up, and so they rebuilt that chopper um, with the help of Team Kawasaki. So they made all the cables red, white, blue, and they put a 750 Bonneville engine in there. So now it was really uh, happening. Um, but that, that came about, there was a guy who built each one of Zeppelin a bike. And that was how my dad's looked, the Union Jack tank and, and, uh, and everything. Um, but that was very, very hard to ride, that, that, that was the way it was, you know, if you hit a pothole with it, it was uh, very, you know, very light at the front. Yeah, and those 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 bikes were kind of themed off of the Easy Rider Captain America bike. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, they they were an ama an amazing uh, thing to be handed and given to. But the, the strangest thing, the, the the hot rod, the the sea cab. Yeah. Um, that I suddenly the people that built it came to Sammy's gig in Concord. And uh, the original people, the, the people that were on the side of it, on the paint job. Yeah, that's Brizio, uh, right? Out of out of San Francisco. Andy Brizio was the one who built it, correct? Yes. Yeah. So they actually, his, I think it was his daughter came to the show and was like, oh, my, my dad, we, I didn't realize you were going to be here. And they sent me a bunch of, uh, of stuff when it was being built. And it's, and it's somebody selling it at the moment. Somebody's got it up for sale. And uh, I had to burst the guy's bubble and said, "You do realize that's not the original engine, right?" Oh. And he went, and he went, "What?" I said, "No, Dad took the engine out and put it in a Corvette." Really? Uh, yeah, he took that big, a uh, uh, big engine out with the blower on top and cut a big hole in the front of his '72 Corvette <laughs> and it sticking out the top of that, so you couldn't, look, you couldn't look through it. Um, yeah, that was. Uh, well, that yeah, makes, of course, I mean, that's what you do with it, right? Up. You put it in a Corvette. There, there's one other car um, that was very significant in that dream sequence. Your dad goes to Santa Pod, the legendary drag strip uh, in England, 
and gets in Clive Skilton's car, a top fuel car, yes. rear-engined, uh, which was pretty cool at the time because that was 73, I believe, when they shot the film. And there wasn't a ton of uh, rear-engine cars around. And, and Clive was a real real racer. I mean, he actually came over to the U.S., did a bunch of match racing and all that. Was he a friend of your dad's? Is that how that all came about? I think it was the when it came to the dream sequence, it, uh, it really was the dad wanted to do real. His one was reality more than dream. Um, and they just said, you know, what would you want to do? And he said, well, I want to go down a dragster. So obviously they located him, and that's when they did um, the drag strip moment. Um, and But it was 74 when we shot that. Oh, 74, um, okay. Yeah. Uh, they, 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 at the time, the film was done in 73, the, of the concert. 74 was ah. when we did the filming um, for, the, uh, for the show. But, yeah, that was a scary thing. Um, Dad said it was the most terrifying thing he'd ever experienced. Um, and he wasn't going to rush to do it again. So he, because there was always some question as to whether or not your dad actually got in the car. Well, I was, I was always told that, yeah, he did. Amazing. And, uh, yeah, um, I mean, I, I know he did, uh, whether he did a completed a run, I, I know he did and, and did a burnout and went off. Whether he continued, I don't know, but uh, he said it terrified him. Oh, I bet it did. Your dad was uh, extremely well known for his power in his play, and you have that as well. Does that style come out in your driving? Um, I'm told yes. I, I could do it being a little, little smoother um, to be, uh, you know, to to round it off. You, you, there's there's ways of playing it. As I said, it all depends on the type of track you're playing or the type of track you're driving. Uh, if you have to be aggressive uh, and fight to get the car around, or can you just let the car do its job and, and basically relax your hands on the wheel and the car is just naturally going to drift around. Um, so it all depends. I always re I have to do that when I'm playing. I have to remember the opening three songs, not to, not to, to burn yourself out and be too tense. You've got to be relaxed. And, and as soon as you relax, uh, it's a much better way to uh, to play and to drive. Stop, you know, don't grip the wheels so tight. Same as bikes. Don't, you don't want to get arm pump. Yeah, for sure. Tell me a Led Zeppelin story, maybe about a car that you haven't told me yet. You got one? Um, uh, what can I say? Well, the, there was an incident, you know, in the, well, the hot rod, the, the white cab, the one that was built yeah. in San Francisco. Yeah, the back doors were never very secure, uh, and there was a very, very slippery shag pile carpet <laughs> in the back. So one time I'm in the back, my dad's got a friend in the front, and as we went to leave the house, he accelerated. I slid down, hit the back doors, so and the back doors were open, and I shot out <laughs> at, at, at about nine years old. Uh, um, and he actually did that to me in a boat uh, in the south of France. Age 13, I was lying on the back of his Reva Sandra Pay. He accelerated, the bow, you know, bow came up, and, I, and they hit a wave. I went off the back, um, and, you know, about 30 seconds later, my dad's like, where's he go? And I'm like, I'm over, I'm, I'm over here 
Yeah, thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he like he liked to go fast. I mean, I'm he, he spun him when when he he I've been with him when he spun out and he's like, don't tell mom. Um, yeah, he uh, he was a character, but he loved loved his gens. If anything, I could tell you, his Jensen collection it was his pride and joy. He loved the fact that those cars in 1971 had the big Chrysler engines in yeah. a four wheel yeah. drive mechanism. And, and ABS, no car had that back then, and it was, you know, it was the. But the only problem was it was put together by little pieces of metal that they didn't know, it just whatever was lying around the shop right. at the time. So you never know when it could go wrong. Incredible, you know, you've made your dad proud in in so many ways. Um, as a musician, a racer, as a father, um, you, you're always going to be known, obviously, as a son of John Bonham, something, of course, you're very proud of, Yes, but no longer in his shadow. Um, you're considered by many to be one of the best drummers in the world today. Do you ever find yourself just rolling down the road or maybe sitting behind your kid as you get ready to go out on stage thinking about that? Oh, no, I don't. Uh, I don't think I, uh, I'm, I'm just very flattered that I can be, uh, you know, I like what I do. I'm very flattered that I get a chance to go and play with all these different people, play this great music. Um, I never think of it like that. I, I, I'm just, I'm glad I can still do it and play. And it's that moment I'm on stage, the joy, if you can bring it to people and make them smile and be happy, and then I'm doing a good job. If I can make somebody have a great time for an hour, I'm on stage then um, it's a good day. Well, it's been great having you on the show, Jason. Really appreciate the time. Before we let you go, what's up next? Where can the folks see you out on the road performing? Uh, the Circle, we're starting. We've got five shows, I think, or six shows in uh, Florida. We started in Augustine on November 1st. Then we're in Estoril, Florida on the 2nd. We then uh, go to Dominican Republic. And then it's Clearwater and Orlando. Um, and then I've got a 10-day break, and then we start the JBLZ Winter Run in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, uh, which goes through to Detroit and Boston and everything. Go to uh, uh, jasonbonham.net to find out the details. Well, it's a great show. The Jason Bonham Led Zeppelin Evening is fantastic. And, of course, the circle with Sammy Hagar, Michael Anthony, and the rest, a, a tremendous uh, band out there these days. Jason, thank you so much, buddy. Really appreciate the time today. Ralph, thank you so, so much. And I'm, uh, I'm glad I could get the chance to talk to you. Always a pleasure. Okay. We'll see you at Supercross. Thanks everybody for joining us. Ralph Shaheen show presented by Lucas Oil.